0: Hello, you're listening to Film Graves once again, or for the first time. Welcome, if so. I'm Emmett. I'm Sam. We are from the soon-to-return band, Phil Graves, a band that is somewhat hard to see. If you don't play that many gigs, we usually we talk about films that are kind of hard to see, but today I think we're going to talk about films that you might have already seen.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't, they should be easily
0: accessible, easy to see, yeah. And they're already good. Um, they're all about villainous American people. <sighs> Like one villainous American person. Yeah, for sure. Or several.
1: Yeah, and they I guess they all raise moral, political questions in different ways. And like responding to different structures and Yeah. Should we say what we're talking about? Yeah,
0: what have we got on the slate today? Well, firstly
1: we're gonna talk about Martin Scorsese's The Irishman Mm -hmm. or I Heard You
0: Paint Houses. Yeah, that is the literal title, isn't it? That's the (laughs) <laughs> it's like when the title comes up, it says, I heard you paint houses. Yeah,
1: but then at the
0: end, it comes up, The Irishman. Does it? And then the title. Maybe it's a Netflix thing, isn't it? Because it's already going to say The Irishman like three times on the page when you watch it, when you pull it up on your Netflix app. You saw it in America? Hell yeah. 10am, IFC Centre, Monday morning. With the real psychos. It was maybe
1: Film of the Week, so Hell... we would have watched it when it goes onto Netflix anyway. But... How,
0: how did Netflix allow that for movies to just allow people to go see their upcoming release in the cinema for free
1: I don't know man, when the it's Netflix fire. logo came up at the beginning I like nudged Shan yeah. to be like you know, it's a netty film Hail Netflix and she was like, <laughs> yay yeah. like, I, was I was
0: like, 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 wow. like <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, wow A anyway, lot of people are like that with it's... the A24 logo
1: Oh yeah, I don't know They're just a PR company dude. Yeah at least they maintain a slightly different image to Netflix, which really is. Yeah. I don't know. It's mad
0: how they flip the script because this whole, the mad thing about the The Irishman is like, or the discussion around the Irishman, it's like, Netflix was such like a bête noire of like the art film industry for a couple of years and like getting banned from Cannes, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Now everyone's talking about Netflix is like, you know, they got fucking Parasite, they got like The King. Is well, Parasite coming to Netflix? Yeah. Because like Octo was a, not, a Netflix film. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, um, he's got the the <clears throat> lifelong contract, Bondsman. Yeah, it's in his DNA now. But they've got, like, proper good films that, like, everyone loves. And Martin is like, out here being, like, Disney and Marvel is, like, not cinema. Mm. And making films for Netflix. It's kind of mad still. Um, We're going to talk about Mr. America. Yeah, the Tim Heidecker, Greg Turkington. Greg, hey, guys, Turkington of yeah. the Victorville Film Archive. Which is part of a like serious branding extended universe consolidation project, right? Yeah. But it was also made in three days. Yeah, it's just (laughs) crazy. If you don't know about On Cinema and stuff, it's insanely fire. (laughs) We'll illuminate.
1: Yeah. And then finally, we're going to be talking about DC Universe's Joker. Todd Phillips's Joker.
0: Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, if you ask me. For sure. A great movie. Yeah. Five bags of pop. (laughs) i <laughs> saw everything before everyone when I was in New York. I was like, I'm cut, gems, bitch. Saw the lighthouse three times, bitch. And I saw The Irishman and I was like, going crazy about how much I loved it to everyone. Yeah. Pretty much as soon as I walked out of the cinema, to be honest.
1: When I went in, I guess, one of the things in the forefront of my mind was it's run time, which is, for a cinema trip, three hours plus is always, like, it's only two hours plus, like, I'll be like, oh, maybe I'll, catch it at home or then there's like the epic runtime
0: though and that shit's always better to see in the cinema for sure i mean napoleon or like i saw say and tango like four days before the irishman so it was like light work yeah <laughs> and i saw it at 10 a.m in the morning which really helped yeah i think it is a really cinematic film though we're lucky to be able to see it in the cinema as opposed to it being on netflix where some people could suggest it's televisual only because of how epic the scope and like structure of it is. It's gonna be like one of the only sick films on Netflix. It's gonna be like one of the sickest films on Netflix, I think, up there with Bicycle Thieves or what else they got that's actually good. Uh, I don't know, The King? Did I say I didn't like that? You watched it again, right? (laughs) No, And you've come around. I really can't think of anything good on Netflix. Johnny Guitar is the best film on Netflix.
1: I think I watched like Hard Eight on there a while ago, mm-hmm. and like that's quite like a pretty a surprising sort of film to find on there, I guess. Yeah. In fact, there are a few films that have come on
0: recently. At a Turn to Gate, haven't um, seen it. I really like that film. We'll do an artist episode with really, Louis one day. Yeah.
1: Means.
0: If this is a way in, this film is like way more structurally complicated than like Inception or something like that. And I think if you were to put that shit on Netflix, like pausing that shit, you'd kind of lose sight of how mad the storytelling is because there's so there's like flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks and it's mm. because he's like being interviewed as like the framing device to tell this story it's so mad i think like they like see something and then that like brings them like 20 years into the past and then in that time frame they're like having like an anecdotal conversation and there's like a family guy style like cutaway to represent what they're talking about yeah
1: stories of Italy and the Second World War, you know, that play out in 30 seconds, but illustrate four years of experience. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess one of the main strengths of the film as a viewer is that these tangents don't seem uh, sort of digressive or right. they're always adding like layers of meaning and introspection and
0: yeah. It's pretty deep. It's a man like looking back on his life. Yeah. Like a life of crime as well, like a morally problematic experience. It starts in the traditional Scorsese way. Like, it's very, like, Goodfellas when he's, like, driving the truck mm. and, like, having these, like, jokes conversations and, like, committing, like, mid-level crime and just everyone's just, like, having a laugh about it or whatever. Yeah. It's, like, very familiar it's just material for Martin Scorsese, like... We should say the eponymous Irishman
1: is Robert De Niro. I don't know if we've said that, but... Oh, yeah? From, he's the main character. From Dirty
0: Grandpa. Yeah, exactly. Righteous Kill. Little Fockers. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Shark Tale. Hitherto his highest grossing film. Yeah. Although The Irishman was not the film that deposed Shark Tale as the top grossing film in the Robert De Niro filmography. The Joker was. Oh shit. (laughs) Wow. Of course. Wow. I imagine, I don't know, budgets and shit, this shit doesn't, isn't that mad interesting to me when you're talking in like sums of like, like absurd sums of money or I'm like, they could have spent that shit more effectively if they really tried like always, right? Yeah, of course. You're talking about like $180 million yeah. or something. But supposedly Netflix, going to Netflix was the only way Scorsese could make this film. And like, that's why he, he's gone on record and said that like in every interview, pretty much. Yeah,
1: I wonder whether we had a conversation with Overlord Bezos.
0: Yeah. yeah. Bezos
1: <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's just Robert De Niro
0: like guiding us through his life of crime, basically. He comes back from World War II driving vans he gets like introduced to like organized crime gentle and jokes ways
1: yeah via sort of like Ray Romano cropping up as a lawyer yeah. who sort of intervenes when he's first caught racking from his like employer
0: or whatever yeah he's like where's the meat he's like I don't know yeah <coughs> Robert De Niro yeah. face 30 year old man but with like the meet the fuckers face or whatever. <laughs> I love it great scene. <laughs> Yeah, I found the old man body on the
1: aged Robert De Niro like too distracting. There are a few scenes where it's really jarring, but there's a scene where he um, it's actually an important scene in terms of mm. the narrative as well, because basically here's uh, the grocer like gave his daughter like a nudge or something like, yeah. like prodded her or something, and then he like take marches her over to the shop and fucks the guy up basically, completely savages um, him up. It's so deep. Yeah, and, like, this, like, impacts her the way, like, this kid, like, sees him. Yeah, she fully way. becomes traumatised. Like. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, in this scene, like, <laughs> it looks like Danny DeVito in um, It's Always Sunny, like, with, like, a... He's got this really idiosyncratic, high-shouldered walk, mm-hmm. right? And
0: it just, it looks bizarre. Good scene, though. Yeah. I guess it does look bizarre. I didn't really notice, to be honest, that much. I wasn't really th- It wasn't at the front of my mind.
1: Yeah, I guess, I, just because... I was thinking about it as a production mm-hmm. as much as like an engaging story or for sure, whatever. For sure. So that production element, like, because it was so present in the film, like, I was like
0: drawn to it. Yes, yeah, frequently. big, big thing. As everyone seems to be saying on Twitter, if you want to see that done well, you should go see Gemini Man. <laughs> but it didn't like make me dislike the film or anything. Like Right. That would be I wild. it was like a quirk. It is quirky. It's kind of jokes, man, I think. I don't know. If it's about the passage of time and they couldn't necessarily recast these actors to play younger versions of themselves. And this is a film that takes place between World War II and like 9-11, you know. Mm.
1: For sure, the scope of the story is really impressive.
0: It's like Lord of the Rings or something. You yeah. Know? And it really
1: does explore a lot of facets of American life in the 20th century. Yeah. In the post-war
0: period through the medium of like conspiracy theories, which is fire
1: (laughs) yeah like it's a pretty salacious film and it has it (laughs) it takes an extremely dim view on um, union organisation yes and like I found this really depressing when I was watching it because like the union obviously represents you know it's like labour relations you want the shit to be like hopeful and promising and then just to show it so venal and corrupt like but I understand that it seems like a stereotype you know like the bad unionist or whatever like Mm. As... But, or like the mob union or whatever but like it makes it seem like it was like a undeniable real criminal and total aspect of what the union like was you know mm. like a racket
0: i kind of disagree i thought the irishman was like a bit more for a gangster film compared to like godfather two it's a way more like progressive portrayal and like intricate portrayal of like Union politics because it's like about that as opposed to being a gangster film about gangsters who are just trying to like fuck the unions all the time mm. and like are in conflict with the unions. This is about like this film about one man and his experience of like a place that was like doubtless completely rife with corruption to the point where he's like the bodyguard of I don't know what his title the pre- the head of the teamsters Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, like the president. Yeah, there. who was mad corrupt. Yeah, I don't see. How that's like a problematic portrayal
1: i'm not saying it was problematic i'm just saying i thought it was depressing yeah. right because
0: this is extremely depressing because it film. seems
1: like a very total form of corruption you know
0: i think that's what it's about
1: yeah yeah i understand but if we're asking who is it's america it's just like a grim port yeah exactly it's a grim aunt. grim
0: film it's incredibly deep the end bits remind me like million dollar baby or something like that but it's very thorough have got al pacino as jimmy Hoffa. He's actually i think he's the worst actor in the world but it's kind of appropriate and his de-aging was all right i thought because mm. i guess most of the de-aging is to get these characters to sort of how old their characters would be in like the 60s 50s to 70s when they're like middle-aged men you know they're not like young men like mm. coming up and al pacino's de-aging was quite effective and he's i don't even know if he's played jimmy Hoffa before but he played like Jimmy Hoffa-inspired characters before. He's just going for it. He's doing the shit he always does and, like, shouting everywhere and, like, saying outrageous shit. But, like, found it pretty entertaining, man. And I really don't appreciate it. But he's never made a film with Martin Scorsese before. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think he fit into that remarkably well. Mm. I mean,
1: I guess it's a very similar language of film to, like, Coppola, I'd say. Maybe that's more, like,
0: classical, but I don't... Not even really, man. It's all hammy. The best thing about... gangster shit. The best thing about Martin Scorsese's filmmaking is definitely Thelma, his editor, mm. definitely. And yeah, that's all I got to say on that matter, really. Yeah, fair enough.
1: <laughs> I guess at the heart of the film, or at its core, it really is about the relationships between these characters, mm. as well as like showing this like broad sweep of time mm. and politics, and you know, change or whatever in various ways. You know, the relationships between the main character in his family and between Al Pacino's character, who he works for, and Joe Pesci's character, who's, mm. like, probably my favourite of the three lead...
0: For sure. ...performances. So not the Joe Pesci you know, right? What, from, like, Goodfellas or... Home Alone or whatever, yeah. <laughs> he was, like, cast as, like, stereotypes, like, all the time. Mm. And it's, like, playing... a
1: bare, like, sensitive performance. Like, it's really... <sighs> yeah, man. Good. Yeah, it's, like, a re- it's really sad, you know? About, like, I guess these people being, like, desensitised to crime,
0: but... Right. Still Well they don't get they is don't it? go to prison. Like I think the story is usually like you don't really stop once you get involved with this shit unless you go to jail for like eighty years. And mm. even then you could even just get busted. That's what usually happens in like all these like epic crime sagas that like everyone loves, right? And this is like really cool not cool, but like I hated the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Yeah. I didn't that think way. that was like ethical filmmaking, really. I know some, a lot of people do, but I just, like, thought it was disgusting. But the perspective and, like, themes and what this film is trying to say was a mad thing for Martin Scorsese to make a film about, compared to most of his other work, mm. apart from, like, silence. Yeah.
1: Yeah, fair enough. But, I mean, it is a film about, like, getting old and, like,
0: being... Disillusionment. <sighs> yeah.
1: I mean, at the end, it's like, you know, it's, this is how the film is framed, like... Mm-hmm. The From the very Robert start, Robert, De Niro, yeah, exactly. Rob De Niro's character is like an old ass man. What's the opposite in, of de-aged? Yeah, aged. Like, <laughs> yeah, they've like given him like frosty eyebrows and yeah. all that stuff, and he's like a vestige of this mm. old guard, and like he is the only one that's
0: left. Like he's like outlived. It's like little Uzi. All my friends are dead. <laughs> Another thing I liked, right, kind of on that tangent, is how. A problem I usually have with Scorsese films, and a lot of people have with these films, are like, someone did a really good tweet that was like, oh, we're going, I'm going to a Martin Scorsese party, there's like one woman there or whatever, and like, all the most loud men I've ever met in my life, or something like that. In this film, like, the daughter character, like, Anna Paquin's character, right, who is not to the to her, like, self as an eight-year-old, <laughs> she says one word in the film, which is the word why, after it says on the tv like so and so was killed and it's like the mum or like robert de niro's wife is like did you talk to the family about this and he's like no not yet i'm about to and then she's like why which is great and then she's completely silent for the whole and like mad disapproving that's an interesting way for martin scorsese to flip a really bad trope of his filmmaking into something kind of a bit more artful maybe he tries to say that by neglecting dialogue for women in all his films but at least i felt that as like an artistic structural point in the irishman so that was cool i think it's one of the best films of the year man like yeah it's an extremely
1: impressive film and you know draws you in in a serious way
0: i literally never seen anything like it before in my life like and that's a pretty cool thing to say for like an extremely like heritage filmmaker like martin Scorsese. and i don't really love his films. By and large, I like After Hours, like The Last Temptation of Christ, but I mostly like him for his music documentaries. <laughs> but this was amazing. Like, I went to, after the screening, I was speaking to this uh, this dude who was like actually a Teamster. Yeah, I that's wild, yeah. And I was like, Did you think that film was a true story? And he's like, No, absolutely not. But I thought it was brilliant. And that was really nice to hear. Like, JFK or something, which is a fire film, but like, a lot of people think it's pretty wacky.
1: Yeah, I mean, the historical perspective of the film is, like, extremely subjective, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, like, it's like about, like, a problematic testimony as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's great. Yeah, really sick.
0: A lot of good phone calls in the film. But all my favourite scenes are, like, scenes where, like, Robert De Niro is having a phone call. This film had my favourite line of dialogue, right, in Rojo, when he says, oh, I hear the coup is about to happen now, uh, but in this film i can't even remember who said it but it was just the most fire thing i can't wait to screenshot it oh you can't screenshot it on netflix can you he says like i don't care if he's irish or catholic he's the son of a millionaire or something yeah. <laughs> so fire
1: the dialogue is great throughout actually they of course it's yeah. really good absolutely yeah.
0: all right from talking about that brilliant martin scorsese film we're going to talk about a brilliant martin scorsese influence film joker directed by todd phillips starring Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. Joking Phonix. Yeah. John Phoenix, the electronic music producer, in a mad performance, to be honest. And it's the story of the fucking Joker, man, you know. Yeah, you it's know The story of shit. Joker. Yeah. It's not the story from most of the comic books, I believe. It's like no, I mean, area. I think it draws on one of them, but, like, yeah. in a very indirect way. Yeah. Would you say it's as anarchic a retelling of the Joker origin story as the anarchic behaviour of the public? at the end of the film Oh
1: man I really enjoyed this film but that that shit at the end is I hated it yeah I hated it in a quite profound way and it really marred my appreciation of the film and like what it had been trying to achieve throughout
0: for political reasons
1: yeah I thought basically by the end the film cultivates a sense of socio-economic inequality like people being like everyone being fucked over yeah you know a very clear class divide yeah and then at the end, there's like a very, you know, it's like a riot or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not like a political protest.
0: No, but it's a political expression. Mm. I didn't think it was as bad as the similar sequences in The Dark Knight Rises, for example. Yeah, okay. So that was obviously drawing on
1: like the Occupy yeah. movement and the imagery of that. It's like an actual
0: protest. Or yeah. Organised politics this is like a film that's trying to say that like the tyranny of the state is driving everyone insane and they all behave insane at the end do some crazy shit
1: yeah fair enough i mean the main character then it's it's about him becoming the joker being like alienated more and more it's about Um, him becoming
0: a joker (laughs) really really profoundly sad sad film in these scenes I, yeah. was, I didn't really want to see this film. And I went as a favour to my mum because no one else wanted to go see it with her. And I was like crying within 10 minutes. And I was really not down to like get involved with the DC with like comic book movies.
1: I mean, it's not a conventional comic book movie sure. at all, really. Sure. It is a very pointed social critique, for sure. And of, as you said, the state and funding cuts, austerity. Right. And the way that people... Dismantling
0: are. of social... Welfare programs, yeah, and the way
1: people end up being marginalized in these processes, yeah, and it conveys that in an extremely effective way. Carried by this amazing performance by Joaquin Phoenix, like, so good. It's seriously, like, on a physical level, like, he does these like weird dances, Love and it. um, his character has like a laughing tick. He really carries this whole film, like, yeah, and it's all about as, that, like, yeah even oh. as he becomes like more chaotic and violent it gives like a rationality to his behavior in know i guess a way that like some people find threatening i read a thing um it was like a poll of like academy members right mm-hmm. and their response to it mm-hmm. and like so many of them were like oh i don't know if i can bring myself to watch it like i've heard it's really violent i've heard and of, stuff like that. i've heard like, it's
0: liberal anti-capitalist propaganda <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree that it's very pointedly anti-capitalist.
0: About the, as much as you can make a DC. Yeah.
1: The Batman, like, dynasty enters this story, like the Wayne mm. family, because they're, like, grotesque, like, stratified
0: billionaires or whatever. Right, which is true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Christopher Nolan can't say that, like, at all. He's incapable of saying that over, like, eight hours. of. Film. He doesn't even explore that issue. Like, of, not.
1: like wandering around this like cavernous mansion and like there's no class critique at all right (laughs) apart from these like derisive redeployments of occupy imagery but this is the thing like this film does have like a class awareness and like such a pointed critique of i guess oligarchy Mm -hmm. but i consider its response to that anarchic in like the worst possible way and i understand like it's it's not trying to it doesn't feel like it's trying to represent a political revolution it looks like it's trying to represent people pushed to the edge, that's fine, but then their response to that, I I think Todd Phillips' conceptualization of that is like extremely cynical and bleak and
0: nihilistic. I hope that the plan for this new all these Batman films, like with Robert Pattinson, I hope they get him in and like he plays that shit without an accent and just goes full like lizard mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as the Batman. That's yeah. why he's got the, the title, you know, he's got mm. the Batman because he's like the billionaire but the boss baby or whatever, you know, like fucking and yeah, I hope they carry that shit on and I will actually watch that shit because as I say on every episode of this podcast, I love Ron Pattinson. I love Wacky Phoenix. Is he
1: actually playing Batman? Is that happening? Yeah. I
0: mean, that would, yeah. I'm interested to see like, where, how they would develop this. I don't re- I'm not really into like, actor-driven films. I don't really rate actors that much in this general, like, the tapestry of filmmaking. And I thought like the sort of wild like, turns that this film takes that are like outrageous, politically insensitive, But this film is, like, anchored by, like, a mad performance and a pretty convincing performance. And you're with him in, like, every scene. It was entertaining and, like, really emotional and sad. One of the saddest films of 2019 for, like, everything it has to say. For sure. Like, I mean, it is a tragedy. Profound tragedy. And a profoundly sad portrayal of, like, society. But it's dope. It's also, like, it's done remarkably well for, like, a really deep sad upsetting film but people love that shit Mm. it is definitely you know going in i was everyone's talking about oh it's like a fucking incel awful like horrific film you know they give that shit the golden lion at venice and then venice like sinks into the sea the week after it's like punishment from god or whatever i don't know nice one lucretia but i think the surprise of like how much i love this film was like pretty powerful you know Although I feel like I am just probably a dickhead because I felt kind of the same way about Venom when I watched it on a plane. I was like, that was unbelievably fire. Maybe I do like comic book films after all. And everyone said that shit was like awful and problematic. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some
1: something of a double standard when it comes to like, appraising these comic books. But oh, that's films. another and film like, about a billionaire... like an internal like... <clears throat> hierarchy of like a hermeneutic for this shit where like, I feel like Venom
0: was... As I said, like, it's a pretty jokes film. It's a film, but it's another film about, like, a billionaire, like, running rampant and, and like, a traditional villain, like, as, like, the, the structural mm. antagonist to that. Mm. And I like both films a lot. You want to talk about this film as, like, a mash-up film? Yeah, definitely. You watched Taxi Driver this morning, for a bit of context, for the first time. You did it the right way around because you've seen Pickpocket and Diary of a Country Freeze before. So you know that this shit kind of pales in comparison as a way more, like, nasty and, like, evil film.
1: Yeah, I really didn't... Um... Maybe because it was like nine in the morning, but it just yeah. wasn't the right time. But I mean, it's
0: it obviously draws on its vision of the city. Yeah, it's set and at the its same set at the same time as well. It has exactly the same setting, pretty much. Yeah. I know it's like this shit is set in like Gotham City or whatever. Yeah, but that's like a clear analogy. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, this film. Everyone's saying it's like mad influenced by a Taxi Driver, which is true. This film has a way more constructive philosophy behind it than Taxi Driver, which is, like, a film about a dude who wants to, like, kill a political candidate. Doesn't do that, but does end up massacring, like, a dozen black people and, like, an evil pimp who was supposed to be a black guy, but then they changed that at the last minute and cast it as Harvey Keitel, like, talking like a black guy. It's so bad! Like, I know it's, like, one of the great... I really don't like it. Um, I love Full Trader. I know it's, like, one of the greatest films of all time, but, like, it's so unpleasant and, like just fucking peak man like and people love that shit i'm more suspicious of people loving taxi driver for the wrong reasons than the joker the scenes in taxi drive of him like just like dancing around his apartment and like pretending to shoot himself with a gun and stuff like that there's loads of those scenes in the Joker. there's also like loads of like the plot of the joker is very influenced by the king of comedy yeah i felt like the parallels were
1: extremely obvious king of comedy um, Robert De Niro plays a guy who's you know like a loser or whatever lives with his mum an amateur and, like, comedian yeah and like very like marginalised and he becomes obsessed by uh Jerry is it Jerry Lewis like as like a talk show he's called
0: Jerry Lawford
1: but he's played by Jerry Lewis and then basically it's about him like yeah, kind of a bit of a m- mad one. And, yeah, he like, kidnaps
0: and him just, so he can get yeah. on his TV show. Yeah. Yeah, and now we got Robert De Niro playing, like, a really successful popular talk show host who makes really bad jokes. He is, like, Rupert Pupkin, mm. essentially, but he's, like, the host. And the Joker gets on this show. Well, sorry, his, what's his name? Arthur. Yeah. He gets on the show because there's, there's this, like, proto-viral video, even though it's in, like, the 1970s, of him, like... Uh, yeah, that's really it's mad, yeah. <laughs> of him, like... One of my favorite jokes of all time is this Bob Monkhouse joke where he says, they all laughed at me when I told people I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Well, they're not laughing now. And he says that shit in the film, which I guess is some sort of cool, like, intertextual cultural shit. But like, also like, I don't know, I really think that shit is so hilarious. And like, it's like, profoundly depressing when he says that shit in this film. The shit of him, like, trying to be a
1: comedian is pretty poignant, I guess. And lots of shots of his scribbled notes yeah like sexy joke equals always funny and like that like know, donald trump's speech that he had yeah, the,
0: yeah. <laughs> last week yeah that was, that was like some so Titus andronicus lyrics or some versions shit. of it no i haven't actually
1: nah oh there's a ramones one yeah. there's like an emo one yeah there's yeah. a um the smiths one we got to do a cover man but like, there was uh, yeah they were all great actually Shout out to the
0: content creators out there worldwide including um, us baby and he gets on the tv show because everyone thinks that's hilarious and then he does some mad shit on the tv show that sequence which i thought was shot amazingly well and how they changed from all the different camera angles to the tv show and i thought that looked so insane when he goes out there in the clown costume mm. it looked like remarkable and they like boxed it in a little bit like and then some crazy shit happens it's wild like it's a breathtaking sequence for me that's when the film should have ended at the end of that sequence mm-hmm. and I would
1: have found that way more fulfilling yeah I fully get you. yeah I... dishonest portrayal like of
0: a... society
1: yeah yeah that was an impactful scene though and I thought like it would have been like a really chaotic ending very and like he tries tragic... to
0: supply a chaotic ending yeah. which is not the chaotic ending. like really. I didn't like yeah But there's like a chaotic ending that's supposed to happen. That's not what happens. And then there's like a third actually like insanely chaotic thing that happens after that. So it's just like they flip the script twice in like five minutes, which is pretty impressive. Maybe even a few more times than that. As like someone who spends a lot of time like reading people tweet and like listening to podcasts about Twitter, like most of the discussion around this film was about how it's like politically problematic or how it like rips off Martin Scorsese. And this is all going on at the same time as he was like doing the press tour for The Irishman talking about how like these Marvel films aren't cinema. Then we have like a film that's like, okay, Marvel films aren't cinema. I know this was like established like way before, but like we're going to make a Martin Scorsese film or like a couple of Martin Scorsese films in one film. Tell Put that in like the PR for the film. Yeah, like a recognisable
1: pop cultural iconographical framework. Like yeah, the Joker.
0: Yeah. And make like a real cinephile film or like, I don't know, it's really kind of unacceptable for people to make films like this, but to flip a sort of bit of IP into something that's kind of about culture and cinema network. Don't even know who directed it. This is an absolutely brilliant film, and that's like got a very similar premise. Also, is like a part of the DNA of this film Fight Club, a film I absolutely despise. Yeah. And it is also a way more dishonest, anti capitalist film than this. There's like two or three scenes that are like straight out of Fight Club in this film. But they're better than the scenes in Fight Club, so I have no problem with that whatsoever. You were never really here is also an element and that film came out like a year ago. Yeah. The scenes between Joaquin Phoenix and his mom are exactly the same in those two.
1: And that was not subjected to the same critiques at all, really. It was seen as like violent and unrelenting, but like with an interesting message. Oh yeah, a, but that's he's a professional
0: um, murderer, dude. So those guys are totally cool. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> and he's killing like Jeffrey Epstein's of this world so yeah. that's alright he's the guy who kills Jeffrey Epstein in jail in the you will never really hear the yeah. Greg Tuckington story extended universe <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, just a few more things on yeah. Joker a few supporting roles that are worthy of mention mm-hmm. a couple of actors from the TV show Atlanta Zazie Beetz has a really interesting role in this actually where she sort of plays the love interest and paper boy
0: yeah brian turry henry
1: yeah he crops up
0: he's in a lot of films these days yeah he's great you seen widows
1: no man i haven't I mm. that. really good in that yeah. film man cool really really good yeah I'm, I'm down yeah
0: i struggle to think of the sport performance because it's just all about this this guy for me you know i really love this film man yeah I'm, i really enjoyed the surprise and i appreciated its cultural re- reflexivity in a way that i was expecting to hate Mm. but it was like entertaining on that level kind of profound and had a really good performance and like looked cool yeah definitely and it had the Charlie Chaplin song okay there's a scene where they go see Modern Times in the cinema like what me and O'Keefe are trying to do with the like orchestral screening right and it's the most bourgeois shit you've ever seen in your fucking life yeah Charlie know. Chaplin's not the one man like <laughs> that's a that's marxism on screen like mm. the most marxist film like he's talk
1: about its cultural reflexivity yeah then don't you not feel like that's or he's, is it the point that the billionaires are so oblivious to class relations that they can cool. celebrate that
0: that's what i'm trying to say meanwhile like this poor guy is like driven completely insane by like visual culture it's pretty deep man
1: so for our last segment we're going to be talking about I guess one of the most ambitious art projects of the 21st century, really. Definitely. You sort of brought this to me after like going
0: real deep down the rabbit hole. But I would say you introduced me to review and a two things that are like, incredibly inspired by what like Greg are trying to do with this. Mm, for sure, I guess it's just like, um, well, cultural reflexivity. <laughs> what? The film's What called, even is it? The, what, okay, yeah. <laughs> what? as I said earlier they made this shit in three days it was just supposed to be another episode of On Cinema the On Cinema universe Mm.
1: so that's like a YouTube series
0: it was a podcast first and then it was a YouTube series where Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington play like somewhat fictionalised versions of themselves yeah Tim never sees any of the films he reviews but he always says they're five bags of popcorn Greg is a total Is like the worst kind of cinephile who has like terrible taste in movies He thinks The Hobbit is the best film ever made Hobbit 1 and like everything since has been some in some sense a spiritual sequel to The Hobbit. As I say he has terrible taste but he's like absolutely adorable, lovable and is treated horribly by Tim on the show and he also gives everything five bags of popcorn. and it's like a parody of movie reviews and how like banal that concept is and how like banal it is for like two men to like sit around talking about films. Yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly our main inspiration on cinema. But it's also like the craziest like extended universe corporate branding or like it wishes it was a corporate branding project. So it's like fake ads for like in-universe
1: brands and things like long-form storytelling that runs over like seasons of this on cinema YouTube show. There's a over four hour trial of um, Tim
0: who's like accused of... The murder of 20 people. Far more people than Joker murders. (laughs) Yeah um, like doing
1: a music festival like fire festival style music festival and this was like before fire festival as well. I believe so.
0: Or like definitely contemporaneous. Dr. San, the guitarist from the band Dengue Fever who are sick, Um, who's like a total quack doctor. He's not a doctor. Luther Sanchez is his name. But he's the kind of person well, you're actually kind of free to do this shit in America and just like sell people like unapproved. Medicine. Yeah, he's a crack. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. with vapes and like yeah. weed pens and stuff like that. Mm. Loads of kids die. Then the people of San Bernardino take Tim to court for all these deaths. By the way, Decca is the only band that plays at this music festival, which is Tim's band. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, he's taken to court by the DA. It's absolutely breathtaking feat of like improvised comedy and like acting. I mean, it's, like the plot is insane but also like the performances and, like, I know I said I don't like actors, but this is like my favorite acting of all time. It's
1: astonishing. It's like so dynamic. Like there's always something going on. Cause it's like basically a static camera, like a courtroom camera. There are a few cuts to like show, you know, the judge's reaction or whatever, but there's always, you know, you can see Greg in the gallery just reacting and like smirking or like shaking his head. You can see Tim like, <laughs> just doing all matter of shit throughout it like it's Throwing actually all this stuff it's around the actually room. insane
0: anyway yeah I mean we yeah. could spend the rest of the podcast just like reciting the funniest moments from the trial but we're not gonna do that no you, I implore you to watch it I know I'm always telling people to watch like Satan Tango and like read Ulysses and all this shit but please 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 watch the trial of Tim Heidecker because it's astonishing
1: it's on YouTube yeah. in like a slightly abridged form but it's still over four hours it's gonna be in my decade list. Facts. So, basically, he gets off, like... <laughs> and Mr. America, the film, when did it come out? Like, really recently? Couple of weeks ago, yeah. 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 Mr. America is about Tim running for district attorney against the, the guy that led the prosecution against
0: him. The last thing he says in the trial, he's making his press conference at, like the, at the end of this, like, mm. Unbelievable journey we've all been on to outside the courthouse, and he's like that guy Rossetti that d a is a total rat and an unprofessional, and I don't know, but all I have to say is like we'll see what happens next election season, or like he's got something he's got another thing coming to him yeah, so
1: this follows in sort of mockumentary style his mm. journey mm. on the campaign trail, trying to get on the ballot. yeah <laughs> 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 like yeah, that is
0: the extent of his political journey trying to get on the ballot yeah but and his methodology for doing that is largely predicated on like forging people's signatures yeah of like dead people and stuff just yeah, like yeah. sideshow bob yeah, but this whole project is about like one of the many themes in this like unbelievably rich tapestry is all about like corruption mm. much like a lot of the stories martin scorsese is trying to tell but you have just had this guy who's just like unbelievably awful i mean a lot of people interpret his performance as like a donald trump impersonation right he has a lot of the same mannerisms he says tremendous a lot like Mm. we're gonna get the best guys in (laughs) that's kind of about as far as it goes he behaves with like absolutely zero morality or like a negative morality some would say like he literally doesn't doesn't give a fuck he's been doing this movie review show for years and he hasn't seen any of the films but that's like (laughs) That's the thing that upsets Greg the most, but like he has murdered people, Mm. like makes people have abortions. What else gets this insanely evil doctor to like look after his kid? Tom Cruise Jr. Rest in peace. Another alleged victim of Tim's crime. So fucked. Like it's so evil and corrupt and sad and bad.
1: As well as looking at corruption, which obviously had like a major theme mm-hmm. it's more broadly as well just about like a character of a huge ego like an extremely narcissistic dude <laughs> yeah and just the different ways that that can play out in terms of the relationships on screen and sure. you know like the wider potential of the universe they're they're
0: building you know like right this universe is all built because this guy goes around behaving like a fucking scumbag doing, like, shady deals with, like, payday loan companies, and, like, this protein powder called Rio Genesis. It's like a germ killer that obviously makes Tim really ill. It's just such bad behaviour, and it's like, he just keeps on getting away with it and doing more and more evil shit. Kind of profound? For sure. Fantastic. I
1: mean, mean, it obviously is not just entertainment. Like, it's trying to to make a point. No, but it's it's hilarious. It's hilarious, uh, right?
0: And now we've got Tim if you've watched all this shit and seen how much evil stuff he's done the perfect like satirical political candidate
1: for sure for sure the way they get his criminal activity and his political position to intersect (laughs) is that his campaign manager is still the one juror who found him innocent right and then there's this crazy scene where like he's like talking about the rat problem um, which is his slogan like we, we have a, a rat, rat problem and he gets like shops and stuff to put it up in my <laughs> <window>. <laughs> and he's like oh it's like houston we have a problem but it's we have a rat problem because the attorney's a rat yeah he's like using this language and then and then she's like starts like talking about like mexicans and yeah. like immigrants yeah. and um yeah he just like sort of like,
0: and just, they, like they also yeah, form yeah. a sexual relationship by the way in <laughs> yeah. case you were wondering <laughs> is so bad but yeah i really i was desperate for that question to be answered like who was like the fucking one juror yeah reveal, and we find it. out and they they are pretty much the only people there's just scenes of them like sitting around just doing like unbelievably evil like yeah but the good thing is everyone in san bernardino hates tim heidegger because they all know that he's like a total fraud who killed a bunch of kids in the community so like there's scenes of him going into restaurants and everyone's like get the fuck out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's trying to politically campaign. But he just keeps on going, you know? keeps on. They have a lot of these kind of people in the world who just, like, do... We got, like, Lord Buckethead over here and his rival who are both running in rice lip, right? Yeah. (laughs) They have Mr. America, you know? We had the supervillain movie, now we've got the superhero movie. I like it because it's, like, a kind of old-school-style improvised documentary. I don't really watch this kind of shit, but I used to, like, love this kind of shit.
1: Yeah, just in terms of its production values, it is... You know, yeah, like what the
0: thick of it or maybe less even cruder than that Like, yeah just like the badly made documentaries they talk about on the Michael and us podcast all the time Where there's no for sure there's more of a visual palette to this film because it's trying to paint a picture of I don't know there's so many beige rooms and just mm. like you know for sure it's such low production value actually like they made it in two days there's nothing
1: to it yeah, yeah and it's astonishing uh, like you know obviously just emerged in the edit
0: and so far but they must have had Far too much material, I imagine. I think there's probably about twenty hours of rushes for Mr. America. I know he's like a very precise performer.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure yeah, how they know. would have done it, man, because a lot of it's just like him like on road, yeah, planting signs.
0: I'm not saying or... he was fucking up, I'm saying like no, no, all no, that no, shit is probably saying... hilarious.
1: Like... Yeah, 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 For sure. For sure. I guess if he was in character for a few days, like they would have just had Yeah. So much. Shit.
0: The on cinema review of this film is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, where they hate they both Greg gives it three. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, as a political campaign, documentary is fantastic. And, like, I'm just so down. I hate pretty much all these films that are, like, get more... I don't know, man. I don't know how to describe this. I'm going to read all the Zola novels and then get back to you, but, like... Are you talking about, like, universe? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just so down for... Tim Heidecker's just carry on like doing mad evil shit to make you laugh and like getting away with it in, in his local area.
1: Yeah, it's genius.
0: Yeah, but I'm not down for like James Bond, which is pretty similar except in more exotic locations. Fundament. <laughs> To you, Sam's story, I'm going to conclude this episode by asking a rhetorical question. Who is America? Joker, the Irishman, or Mr. America? But, like, on a serious note, like, one of these films is, like, an adaptation of a book that's, like, telling a wildly conspiratorial story that took place in the real world. That Mm. As I said, that dude, like, didn't believe it was true, but it's still a good story that, like, rings true. The Joker is, like, a corporate sort of fantasy horror crime uh, action i don't know, like you know it's just like this big and then we've got this really small film as part of like another extended universe brand consolidation thing that's like made partly to be like a parody of that enterprise that's like presented as a documentary it takes place in like the realist world even though it's like totally outrageous and like satirical mm. And they all sort of tell a similar story about, like, villainy.
1: Yeah, they so do. And it's ubiquity throughout in different forms, you know. Right. Throughout politics. And I mean, I think that that's pretty much the main unifying factor, I think. It's
0: pretty mad that that's what we got told three times in three of the best films that came out in the last, like, month.
1: Absolutely. And that's
0: dope. Yeah. I believe it to be true in certain factors of not just American society, but in any sort of mad capitalist society in any society even fuck it i don't know a lot of societies i know a little bit about american society i know a lot about uk i don't even know a lot about uk society but i have lived experience of uk society and a little bit of american society and there's corruption everywhere you know like it's i don't believe it's for human nature but i believe it's for like capitalist nature you know it's going on and it has huge consequences for like everyone around the way that consequences are portrayed in these films, like consequences to like the people around you of like doing villainous shit. That's like one of the many really urgent pressing themes in the Irishman. It doesn't matter in the Joker cause everyone hates him or he kills them. And like, it's like the funniest thing about the whole on cinema thing to me is how like unrestricted, like the tyranny.
1: For sure man, I, I really don't hilarious. have
0: like a hot take
1: on American politics at mm. all. And like, I haven't been there, but <clears> what we see going on in american politics is truly insane i yeah i don't know and it just illustrates that there obviously is a sort of crisis in the system that we're living in and these all i think reflect and respond to that in pertinent ways yeah really i guess mr america is going to be the one that most people perhaps won't have heard of and like it's really worth looking into
0: 100 percent.
1: it's worth looking into this
0: We'd love to hear your thoughts about all these films. Get in touch.
1: Yeah, please do.
0: Phil Graves, the band, has an Instagram account now, so you can just get in the DM. (laughs) (laughs) One final bonus segment. Oh, yeah. Our motorised transport correspondent. One of my favourite people in the world. And yours, surely, listener. Matthew Durrell. What was he talking about?
1: Ford versus Ferrari. Also, what is it? Le Mans 66? Yeah, it depends what. Con- two titles.
0: Yeah, it depends what continent you live on. It's like called Le Mans 66 in Europe or something. I don't know, man, some one of these ones. My favorite one of those is how it was called Zootopia in America and Zootropolis in the UK. As, as it already. As if like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, until next time.
2: Le Mans 66, Ford versus Ferrari, why was it shit? Okay, Christian Bale in his absolute worst performance ever. First of all, he doesn't actually play his character with the accent that he has. He plays it as this sort of like semi like Cockney-ish like bit geezer-y guy who's like, yeah, you're right, yeah. Wait, where's
1: he meant to be from?
2: He's meant to be from England, working and living in the U.S., um, but the actual guy, you know, he still speaks like this. He's still very well spoken. Yeah, uh, he like talks about Atlantic
1: Radio. Accent.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's he's going to get in his car and he's going to drive it as fast as it can possibly go but that he Christian Bale just cuts that out for the film and then on top of that his character has a whole lot of emotional family stuff which is like supposed to like pull at your heartstrings and like the piano music starts playing and stuff for like the most mundane bullshit situation and then also there's one scene which is literally a fucking outtake like Christian Bale's character his wife um is uh like this pretty like fucking 2019 like cool chick like yeah we're gonna go to the races i love fast cars i love this there's just one random scene where they're driving and she breaks down in tears and starts driving a hundred miles an hour um in order to get christian bale to say that he's just got a new job with uh ford and it it literally makes no sense whatsoever it's completely out of character for her and then on top of that the actual storyline of the movie supposed to be about four Ford versus Ferrari, um, and the technical challenges that they go through, and the Ferrari people—they're literally in one scene. They have—they have one scene where what? you actually see them talking and stuff. They're in the peripheries of like the race scenes at the end, but like there's there's no focus on Ferrari, and they're they're half the fucking movie's yeah, title. The title, and it's basically based on niggly little bitchy Is it based
1: on a memoir or something?
2: I don't think it's based on any source materials I'm not 100% on that but I'm pretty sure it's just written as a um, popular history of the Le Mans races between 65 and 66. There's a documentary called 24 Hour War which is on Netflix which does a really good job of explaining what happens. The movie is crap. Like like just just yeah.